Welcome to Rock Shop Talk. Our show talks best practices, fun anecdotes, and the latest cutting-edge technology in our field to kick your screen printing gears into hyperdrive. Today's episode features the topic of the Rock Eco and the power of automation for screen printers, and we're joined by our special guest, Danny Gruninger of Denver Print House and Rock US's own sales and consulting expert, which is me, Thomas Shaw. We're pumped about our exclusive limited time moving sale, which launched last weekend. Uh, if you can, reach out to us ASAP to take advantage of the 20% off savings on specific rock presses. Thank you so much for joining us today, and we'll be right back. So I want to welcome everybody back. Today's episode features the Rock Eco and the power of automation for screen printers. We are joined by our special guest, Danny Gruninger of Denver Print House and Rock US's own sales and consulting expert, Mr. Thomas Shaw. I am Rock US President and General Manager, Ross Hunter, alongside of our creative producer, Mr. Merrill Caps. How's everyone doing? Excellent. How are you? I'm fantastic. <laughs> It's a great day. There's sun outside, which in the Pacific Northwest is a really nice treat. How are you doing, Danny? Ross, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here, you guys. It's uh, it's really fun to be a part of this. Absolutely, man. I love that giant uh, screen right there. We're going to have to like demo, even though I feel like it's a pretty just awesome background you got going on. (laughs) I had to put the eco up there so I could press buttons and (laughs) pretended fetch pallets and it's so uh, easy you can work sure, in a chair. So. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. That's awesome, it's a man. Sure fitting background for today. Well, I wanted to start out and just kind of introduce the eco, and and I'll let Thomas and and Danny kind of talk about the press itself. You know, we've got uh, a few different lines of presses, starting from the U. Um, we've got a new model that just came out, the Fit, which is a exclusive just four eight model. It's not upgradable. Um, the U comes in many different configurations, awesome press. And then uh, we launched the Next at the beginning of this year. Um, and then we've launched a, a new version of the Eco, the Eco 2, um, a, as well this year. Um, and Danny, I think you've got a first generation Eco um, in your shop. So it'd be kind of cool to talk about the Eco, the differences that we've made this year. And I'll, I'll kind of let you guys sort of take it over, explain the press and really what makes it stand out um you know from our other models as well as from other presses on the market yeah i uh i'll jump in here and start um so you know i definitely look at the eco as the the m7 of rock presses so if you kind of take the analogy of you know a bmw car you've got an m3 an m5 an m7 and, uh, you know, I always looked at the Rock U as like the M3. It's, you know, super solid, really good press, um, kind of the lower end of the, the models, though. And then you'll step up into the next, which, you know, I kind of look at as an M3 and then or an M5. And then uh, you'll step up into the Eco, which would be, you know, the M7, which is kind of BMW's uh, cream of the crop. They put all the features and... Uh, options on that press and that's you know that's really how i look at the eco in the in the rock line awesome and thomas you want to talk about some of the just technology differences between you know those three and then kind of specifically what what makes the eco stand out in terms of those features absolutely um you know the the u press which danny mentioned um and compared it to kind of the the first press in our lines that uh that press operates with a geneva drive and that geneva drive while it's a proven technology and is a super old technology, um, there are some things on a Geneva-driven press than you'd have on like a chain-driven press stepping up to like the Next or the Eco. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, I think Danny really nailed it between uh, kind of going through the line and saying, you know, there are, the U is a very functional press. It comes with a few features that make printing really easy. Um, the Next is gonna be a press that kind of ties in the best features of the Eco, uh, which we'll talk about today and some of the best features of the U, and then it puts it into a press in the middle of the line. Um, the Eco, you know, as I think Danny can definitely say, it's a press that fits a certain type of business and a certain type of production staff uh, to really be able to like unleash what, what a press like that is capable of. Um, and I think Danny will be able to hit on some of that today with us. Awesome, awesome. And I know, you know, a, a lot of folks out there, it's like, you know, you get a car, 
you get all the bells and whistles, call it the M7, right? And you've got people, I guess to Thomas's point, that get into that car, they read the manual, they know what everything does. Or you have someone like me that buys a car like that, gets in it and still uses the Bluetooth connection on my phone to run my map software because I have no interest in learning about all the features. So kind of in that, that, that vein that Thomas said, you know, when you get into a press like an Eco, just like an M7, you know, it's, it's important to understand what all those features are, what they all do, how do you utilize them for your production, you know, to best optimize your operations, get the best prints, um, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, definitely a little bit more of a learning curve in, in terms of the technology, but once you figure it out, um, does a lot for your business. What are the big differences, um, Thomas, in, in the sizes? So obviously, you know, the press configuration is one thing you can get a, you know, a, a six color eco, you can get a 20 color eco, you can get as many pallets as you want. These are all customizable, but they come in different um, size variations. So there's an L, there's, you know, an XL, a 2XL. Can you kind of go through that? Definitely. Uh, so we realized that whenever we, we first rolled these presses out, we sold nothing but uh, the XL format. And the more that we were in these shops in the US market or places with crazy high overhead um, or just a, a packed facility, there were times where maybe maybe an Eco XL, uh, maybe the footprint was just too big for what this company needed. Um, so that being said, the first the first actual size that we offer in that line is, is the L size, um, which, which is a smaller format in terms of the machine itself. Uh, but the print the print capability on that is still pretty pretty large. I think it's uh, I think it's about 19 by 25 on the L, um, and then on the XL, which I think is probably what Danny's running. Um, you know his his stock image area is almost uh, it's 23.6 by 31.5. Um, so as you start getting up, you know we do have an XL, we have a double XL with larger print area, and a triple XL with larger print area. Now, just depending and knowing what your audience is, or if you have a certain customer who can benefit from having that oversized print area, um, you know, you might you might find a machine that's specific to what you're trying to uh, what you're trying to cater to in terms of your customer. Awesome, awesome, very cool. And I'll shift this over to Danny. What what specifically is the Eco done for Denver Print House? What was it like before you had it? How has it changed your operation overall? What, kind of get into to what it's done for your shop? Yeah, to be totally honest, I think uh, when we first heard that Rock was uh, coming to the United States with uh, Ryanet, um, the Eco was really what attracted us to, um, you know, the line of presses. I think the first trade show that we saw it at was 2013 Long Beach, sometime around then. And, uh, you know, my background, I come from, uh, you know, I started working in, in a machine shop when I was 13. I worked in a high performance engine building company from, you know, 15, 16, till I basically started Denver Print House when I was 19. And it really gave me an appreciation for the mechanics and how things are put together and, um, you know, how the manufacturers actually machining the parts to go on these presses. So when I went to Long Beach for that first uh, 2013 trade show and saw the Rock Eco there, you know, it was doing an inline foil job. It was doing an inline flock job plus multiple colors and just how smooth the press ran, um, you know, the capabilities, how the pallets went off and on the press. Um, it really just attracted me toward, uh, you know, what Rock was doing. Um, so really just the features that we saw at that trade show, we were like, wow, this is, uh, you know, none of the other companies had inline foil at the time. And we had a, a clothing line that we were selling into Costco that was about 40,000 shirts every time Costco would place an order and every single shirt had foil. So we were like, you know, we really need a solution. We can't have a small army here of people heat pressing and, uh, you know, manually foiling 40,000 shirts. Um, so once we saw the Eco doing the inline foil, it was almost, you know, a no-brainer for us to to look at the press and to really dive into it. Absolutely. And, you know, that's kind of what we did. Since then, I mean, the Eco, personally, it's my favorite press. 
Um, so we've got the big oval here in the shop. We've got a next, we've got a U and, you know, I love those presses, but honestly, the eco, we can throw any job at it, whether it's, you know, a really high color count, technical sim process job, a flock job, an inline foil job, a one color job, an oversized job. Um, you know, the eco is really just a good all around press for us. And I think that's what I love about it. That's awesome. And I know one of the big features, I mean, when you talk about all these inline capabilities, specifically with the eco is being able to actually communicate from the computer module directly to the head that you've got special effects printing, or you're doing something different, being able to actually adjust that all within the computer instead of having to constantly walk around, change things. I mean, that is that kind of a big reason why you say it's your favorite and it makes it, you know, the process simpler? Is it more from an operational standpoint? Yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of the advantages that the Eco provides um, that a lot of the other presses don't is when you have a press with a really large footprint and say you're printing a, you know, a four or five color job to where you have screen spread out on the press you know if you have an issue or you want to look at a test print on most of the other brands you've got to physically stop what you're doing walk all the way around to that screen um, and that takes a lot of time so you know from my my background in these machine shops I mean I think when I was like 14 or 15 one of the projects in the machine shop was we had to shave seconds off of run times for this one particular part that we were making millions of parts, you know, over the course of a year. So if we could shave two seconds off that part, you know, you know, over the course of a year, we just saved thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I really looked at screen printing and, you know, going into automation is, you know, kind of the same way. How can we eliminate the operator from walking all the way around that press and just do everything from the control panel? And that's really what the eco provides. And going back to Thomas's point, that's kind of the big benefit in having the chain drive too, because it can move in both directions. You can auto recall, you can tell it which palette you want to look at and it automatically swings it back and it does it in the quickest direction. So it's like the computer recognizes, wait, it's over here. Let me spin this way or wait, no, it's over here. Let me spin it the other direction to get it back to you fast. So, and that's awesome. People don't realize you know, uh, those steps, just walking. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of funny, you know, I've, I've consulted shops, so have you for years, and I can't tell you how many times I've walked into to businesses and their dryer is two steps from their press. And that yeah. simple thing of making that one foot, two foot adjustment closer, if you actually run a time study on it, saves a ridiculous amount of time and increases your production speed. So, you know, with this press, it's similar in the sense that you don't have to walk around it. It's, it's right there ready to do what you want to do. That's awesome. Yeah. So, I mean, we looked at, you know, there, there's definitely in my mind, some disadvantages with having a big press, but with all the stuff that the eco has, it really eliminates a lot of those things, you know, changing pallets on a press to where you have one lever and it's only a matter of seconds versus, multiple cams or you know a different lever system to put a pallet on and off it's it makes it so easy that having the big press really doesn't play that big of a role if that makes sense absolutely i think between that and uh also i was talking to one of our uh, one of our customers this week that was looking at uh at an eco machine and they're a current new customer and one of the things we talked about was uh the high lift feature which is something that we have on the um on the eco presses and basically what that feature does, it allows you to kind of, you know, once, you, once you've got your job registered, say you've, you've ran off your registration marks, if you press the high lift button, all of your heads raise, you can tape off your registration marks, wipe off any, any residue or lint or whatever it is, uh, lower your press back down and you're in operation. Uh, you're not having to like find, you know, find your star, or release your star, or move pallets over and things like that. I think between, between that and then just being able to you know, take advantage of like a, a half step or a half index back whenever you run a test sprint. Um, like small things like that are really what uh, what makes what gives you a more efficient uh, press and, and team. Absolutely. Uh, going back to what you were saying earlier, Thomas, can you 
maybe both you and Danny speak to when is it most appropriate to level up to an eco? I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in and try to tackle that, you know, from, from our experience, um, you know, I, I think the shops, they need to ask themselves, do they have a bottleneck on their press? And also, you know, do they want more capabilities? Um, you know, like I said, the, the eco allows us to print everything from, you know, award-winning 12, 14 color simulated process to, you know, special effects to where we're blending flock and foil and crackle inks and HDs and all that type of stuff. So if you, I think you have to look at it in, you know, two different lenses. Um, are you, are you needing it for the efficiency standpoint? You know, the press index is faster. Um, you'll be able to print more shirts on an eco versus you just for the pure fact that it indexes quicker, or do you want the eco to be able to put out more special effects, more colors, um, you know, with, without the, the troubles and the, the pains that a lot of the other presses, um, you know, they, they put you in really a tough spots sometimes when you're trying to do a really difficult job on a press that's not really set up for that. So I think it, it kind of goes both ways. Um, if, if, you know, your press is not fast enough or you want a little bit more to offer your clients. Yeah, and I, I think that Danny really, really nailed it with that. And uh, kind of to just to add on to what he was saying, um, you know, whenever you have this press in operation, um, you know, just because it just because it indexes faster, like it absolutely has the highest highest cycle count in our line. So hmm. I mean, these things are rated, you know, anywhere between 1200 and 1400 pieces per hour. And a lot of times people say, well, like, well, my operators can't load at that rate. And, and you know, the they're thinking the wrong way because they're not thinking, well, if the press index is faster, you know, that means my setup and my setup, my breakdown, all of these things add up at the end of the day. And, you know, you're getting, you're getting that advantage of the fetch pallet feature. You're getting the advantage of the half step back and all those things really add up. I think in addition to that, um, you know, this particular press and the operating system we have on there, it, uh, you know, whenever you, I think Ross asked like, when is the right time or Miral asked, when is the right time? Um, I do think that, once you get to a place where you you make a major investment like the eco, you want to be tracking what's going on in, on that press. Mm -hmm. And there's some job tracking uh, software and some things built into the press that allow you to actually look at your production and integrate that into like what you're expecting out of that press each day. So it's part of helping really like streamline your operations. Yep. And set, sets expectations. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, one, great one guys. feature that I wanted to, to, I just thought about that, uh, you know, has really benefited us at times is uh, the difference of the indexing system on the U to the Eco with the chain drive. When you double index, you can go two stations at one point where on the U it has a pause there. Um, so there's been a lot of times where we're, we get into a really large contract job and say we've got a single color sleeve that we're printing we'll actually set up two screens on the press side by side. We'll be able to put two loaders, two unloaders on that press, and we'll be able to print about 2,500 shirts an hour awesome. um, on just one press. So, you know, depending on the type of work that you have in your shop, the eco allows you to do a few things like double index that while you can do it on the U, it's just not near as efficient. Oh, that's an Great awesome insight. point. Yeah. Well, cool, guys. We're going to take a quick commercial break and we will be right back to talk more with Danny and Thomas about the eco. Stay tuned. We're excited to announce that we're moving warehouses and running our first ever rock moving sale. 20% off of the following units. The Rock Fit 4-Color 8 Station, the Rock U 6-Color 8 Station, the Rock U 6-Color 10 Station, and the Rock U 8-Color 10 Station. For details on this exclusive limited time opportunity and other expert solutions, please visit rock.us, that's R-O-Q.us, or call 187-ROCK-IT-NOW. That's 1-877-674-8669. So I want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we discuss all things screen printing. Today's episode features the Rock Eco and the power of automation for screen printers. And we are joined by Danny Gruninger of Denver Print House and Rock US's own resident sales and consulting expert, Mr. Thomas Shaw. 
along with our creative producer, Mr. Merrill Caps. Good afternoon. Just want to dive back into the eco. We've talked a little bit about you know special effects, the ability to add essentially you know different components to this press to make it do what you want to do. I wanted to elaborate on that a little bit and get into all the different things that people can add and what sets the eco apart in terms of getting those attachments on quickly, you know, getting set up and running a production job. So Danny, do you want to kind of dive into what you guys are using on yours and um, what and Thomas can kind of chime in with what some other things are out there. And I know we're actually about to start working on a really big project uh, in your facility, setting up a, a digital hybrid. So we, we can kind of touch on that as well. So I'll let you take the floor, man. Yeah. You know, we're, uh, we're always taking advantage of the eco and what attachments we can put on it. Um, so just the other day we were running, I think it was a large contract job for Jack Daniels and we were printing on a really, really uh, lengthy garment. Um, so one thing that we did in head one was we put the blower. So there's uh, you know, the rock has an attachment that you can put on and it'll actually, you can put it after a flash and it's really nice because it'll cool down the garment um, typically around 20 to 25 degrees. So if you're printing a lot of colors after that, um, that attachment really, really helps. So what we did on that job is we put our blower, we connected it to the press. You know, it's such an easy plug and play. I think it's maybe about two minutes to attach that air attachment to the press. Um, so we had that on head one. On the next head, we hooked up our vacuum. So essentially we're blowing the length on the shirt and then on the next head, we're sucking that length up. Um, so the vacuum attachment that we traditionally use for flock, um, you know, cleaning the excess flock on the shirt, we use that to suck up lint balls. Oh, um, nice. So that, you know, just having those attachments that can easily integrate to the eco really makes our lives so much easier when we get into some of those long runs. Um, and then the other attachments, you know, the foil, like we talked about, the flock, they're so easy just to integrate, plug into the machine. Um, your control panel has all the connections to where you can e easily tell the press where that particular add-on is. Um, and then what, like you mentioned, what we're really, really excited about now is the, um, you know, the addition to the, the hybrid. Um, so Rock's hybrid, um, we've got sitting back in the shop now, and uh, we're looking to put that on the we're really going to kind of prove the concept on the round presses to start the eco, the next, um, even a U, uh, the hybrid can go on. And then once we prove it on there, we'll put it over on the oval. And um, what's so cool about that is, you know, we could essentially take a hybrid from our oval and then move it over to our eco. Um, and that's what's really so nice about all the add-ons that Rock makes is literally it's a, you know, you've got a, a serial connection, an air connection, and uh, a power connection, and you know, level the thing out, and you're good to go. It's awesome. Yeah. And Thomas, do you want to talk, touch on some other, you know, attachments and and different things that are out there that that integrate well into these systems? Absolutely. Um, so you know, Danny, <clears throat> Danny had mentioned a few things uh, there, but we also, you know, so Danny mentioned hybrid technology. Um, they mentioned. Uh, also running flocking and foiling on that machine. Uh, things like the rock iron, uh, if you're running on three-phase power, it plugs directly into the press. And, and like Danny said, it's a quick visit to the control panel. Uh, you're able to designate where it's at and then you resume resume printing. So it's again, it's a press that like makes all those things very, very simple and easy to, to kind of add on to, uh, to an existing press. That's awesome. And then it's cool having multiple different presses that everything's kind of versatile too, so you can like Danny said, if you're needing, you know, foil happening on your mm -hmm. eco and you need to pull your iron off your eco because you get a job on the U that needs the iron, you know, you can kind of uh, mix and match. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, the, the, you know, the connections that rock is built into the presses, you know, even when I, I went from, you know, my old facility, we had, we were running two facilities and we had five M and R machines between those two facilities and then when we built our new facility, we saved so much money in just our power and our airdrops because we only had to have one power drop per press rather than, you know, like on our oval now, there's a lot of times where we'll run eight flashes on that press for various, 
you know, special effects or water-based colors that we, you know, absolutely have to flash. And the fact that we were able to put one power drop to that press and then all the um, flashes just integrate into the base really saved us a ton of money. And, you know, our electrician was even like, this is amazing. Every company should design equipment like this to where you can just plug right into it. Yeah, no, it is awesome. It's a huge, huge feature. I remember in my shop, you know, jumping over huge electrical wire <laughs> all yeah. the time. In fact, having to jump over places when I was trying to get to a screen to actually do something. So no, definitely a, a, a big point um, um, to make there. W what about maintenance. I mean, I know the Eco's got, you know, some really big features when it comes to maintenance. And I know the Eco 2 that was just released this year has got even a little bit more added to that. So can you guys kind of speak on, you know, maintenance in general on the Eco, what it does for you, certain things you need to think about, and then maybe, you know, some stuff that's happened to you that we've had to replace, you've had to replace, um, and kind of what that process looks like? Yeah. So on, on our Eco, it's, uh, knock on wood we've had uh virtually no issues with that thing um honestly I, I can't think of one time that press has been down um the only so really the biggest maintenance that we've had to do on our eco here was i believe every million and a half or two million cycles you need to put a new chain um, on the indexer so we ended up hitting two million prints on our eco i believe about a year a year and a half ago Wow. Um, and so we ended up doing a chain, a new chain on it there. Our production manager at the time and myself, we did that maintenance. I think it took us about, I want to say an hour, That's maybe okay. an hour, maybe an hour and 15 minutes to do that and fully calibrate it. Um, and then other than that, it's just been general maintenance, you know, lubing up the print heads, uh, you know, really, uh, lubing the chain, um, super, super basic stuff. And what's nice about it is, the press keeps a log for us. And then each time that it hits a maintenance cycle to where we do need to do maintenance, it'll put a reminder up on the screen. Um, and then, you know, our press operator that typically runs that press, he'll go get our production manager and let them know, hey, the press is telling me it needs maintenance. Um, and then, you know, either that night or within the next couple of days, we'll do maintenance on that machine. One of the uh, one of the upgrades on the Eco too uh, is that some of those some of those maintenance uh, schedules are automated on the Eco too. Uh, so like you know self lubricating on the chain, uh, I believe the print head drives and a few other things, you're able to uh, it basically maintains itself for you, but also does keep that log and lets you know uh, where you're at. So some of that interval maintenance is uh, even that has been taken off your plate now yeah it's kind of cool i think they actually put a lubrication like cartridge in the new eco 2 that sits above the chain and then it auto just just true? lubricates and keeps it going which is is really neat even though standard maintenance on a regular eco is not difficult i mean it's lubrication and you know, yep. you're done <laughs> danny I, yeah i know you know back in the day that was always one of our biggest uh, pain points was the maintenance uh you know our old presses they always had the oil canisters yeah. um to where they would feed you know the various maybe the servo drive or whatever it was the air keeping the airlines lubricated and i mean i don't know how many times we would let that canister run out of oil and i mean who knows how long that thing was out of oil for and you know, when we looked at rock, that was one thing that uh, was just such an amazing feature was the, you know, the the lack of maintenance that we actually had to do on the machine between keeping oil in it and then leveling pallets. You know, I think I used to back, you know, 10 years ago when I was running, you know, five or six other autos, I would spend two hours, two and a half hours every single week leveling pallets. Wow. Uh, and mm. now... You know, we've had our rocks, I think, since 2015. Um, so maybe about five years now. I think we've done one re-level since that time. That's wow. impressive. And, and really, I mean, did it need a re-level? Probably not. But I mean, as a lot of people in the industry are aware, we're, you know, we're doing a lot of high color count, uh, you know, really pretty crazy jobs to execute. And so we like to keep our machines as, uh, you know, well calibrated as possible. Danny, I did want to uh, bring something up. I know that we had talked earlier about about the uh, the U, the Next, and the Eco. 
Uh, but one of the defining features, I think, between the the U and the next, and the, just the the one thing that the Eco has that the other presses do not, uh, is the piezo uh, registration. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. Maybe you can talk a, a little bit about that. I do feel like the uh, like the manual registration that we have on the U and the next, um, you know, it becomes a craft. But I feel like the registration on the Eco is more of a formula uh, when you're setting up those higher color count jobs. Yeah, you know, it's definitely, uh, you know, the, the generations that are coming up, the people that we're hiring to run these presses, they're all living in this digital age. I mean, I think, you know, I've got three kids that are, you know, my oldest boy, he's nine, and he can, I guarantee he can run a computer and iPad, a phone way better than I can. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I think it was really good that Rock brought that technology into the press. Um, you know, coming coming from the the machining industry, everything is done in thousands and ten thousands of an inch. Um, so now we're actually able to bring, you know, you know, there's there's a lot of states that allow companies to do job sharing programs. And, you know, in the time that we're in now, people get creative to where, you know, half their staff might be working at a machine shop during the day. And then at night they come work in the screen print shop and having the Piazzo and the digital controls on all the heads really allows those people to come into our industry and adapt a lot quicker than, you know, having the old registration bullet marks and, you know, stuff that more of a craftsman artist printer and less technical person might understand versus, you know, the technology that's coming out on the presses now. So just so our listeners can kind of visualize, I mean, we're using the words Piazzo and, you know, we're talking about registration, but so they can visualize out there. Can you kind of visually explain that in words? Like, what does that mean? You know, are, are we talking about, uh, you know, a, a digital screen on your print head? And instead of turning knobs for registration, you're actually able to put in, uh, you know, a one hundredth of a thousandth of a, of, a, of a millimeter and it moves you know, right and left. Can you kind of describe to our viewers what that, what that means? Yeah. So, I mean, rock definitely has the capability and, you know, the option to put motorized micros on the print heads to where you can just press a button to move the actual screen around. Um, Typically on the standard ecos and ecos too, you're still using um, what I would call a manual knob to actually adjust the, the screen and the registration. But what's what's different is you're actually looking at a screen and the screen is telling you exactly how far in millimeters or thousands of an inch, how far that screen is actually moving. Um, gotcha. So, so the knob essentially is connected to the computer screen that's on the print head. And as you're turning that knob, you're getting a digital readout in, exactly in a measurement. How that's, far that screen is moving. So, if you, you know, you could put a loop down on the screen and you know, it's pretty easy to say, oh, that might be one millimeter or two millimeter or 250 thousandths of an inch. And then you can pull up your digital screen, move your micro 250 thousandths of an inch, and you know it moved exactly that much. Wow. That's very cool. So very- it's you know, the, the technology and what I really like about it is they still have the old analog style registrations on the heads, but then they've also introduced the digital readouts. So it's wow. kind of the best of both worlds. And as we're talking about registration, and forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but I remember when I first sold my shop and and came over here to Rock, um, hearing a story, and I think there's a video tied to it, I'm not quite sure, of you doing over 200 different setups without ever touching a registration knob in a row. Is that correct? Yeah, so we actually... uh... It was it was a two and a half week period that we went in the shop that uh, we didn't have to micro on one job. Wow! And I think I think on the total amount of jobs at the time we were doing about 160 screens a day. So I mean 160 screens times 10 days. I mean we're you know almost 2,000 screens that we did not have to micro through that period of time. That's insane. Can you explain to our viewers like I know you have some other automated technology in your shop. You guys are obviously the kings of automation, pre-press, post-press, on-press, et cetera. What, 
what got you there? So what all did you need for that to happen? Because I know, you know, registration in our industry from our new printers that are still printing manually to our first time auto owners, everyone's biggest issue beyond their customers <laughs> is, uh, is registration. It's the biggest hangup. So what all did you guys use? How did that work to, to get you to be able to do that many screens without touching a micro? Yeah, so I think, you know, I think the, the foundation of it really starts with the screen. So, you know, we're screen printing. The screen is, in my opinion, uh, you know, one of the most important parts of that process and a tool that absolutely has to be at, you know, the top of its shape and clean. And, you know, we really, uh, we spent a lot of time of figuring out what meshes we wanted to use, how we tension those meshes, what tension we bring those screens to. Um, so really kind of dialing in the pre-press and our screen itself was really key to that process. Um, so that, I think that was kind of the first step to that. The second step was, you know, getting a, a direct-to-screen system that can pair with a registration board really, really well. Um, so, you know, we, we've gone through a lot of direct-to-screens and, you know, out, out of all of them, they all do a really good job registering. It's just kind of fine-tuning and figuring out what you need to change on that direct-to-screen to, you know, make it jive with the reg palette. Mm -hmm. um, so on our machine, we made a lot of adjustments between taking aluminum plates off of it, replacing those with steel plates, um, eliminating, you know, the tension of the drum that puts on the screen mesh itself. So when we actually put a screen into the direct-to-screen, there's no tension on the mesh itself. Gotcha, um, so we, cool. we really dialed in all those little things to make it work on press. And then what's so cool about the rock press and the pallet system is it's so stable and solid. When you lock the reg board on the press, that board is not moving. There's no play in it. There's no side to side movement. And, uh, you know, even if we have a job on the press, let's say 10 colors and one screen, you know, we might break a screen through the middle of a 10,000 piece run. We can put our reg board back on the press, go burn one screen and just lock that one screen in. And it's going to line up with everything that's still on the press. God, man, I, it's, it's crazy. Like hearing this, you know, and, and I'm sure you went through this years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, right. Where, you know, you pop that screen. I mean, I remember those days and my heart stopped, right. You're in the middle of a run. I was in LA. So middle of summer, you know, it's 112 degrees inside my shop screen pops you've got your flow the music's going and then like you know you just get that feeling of like well there went the next two hours of my day you know going back in getting the film setting it back up getting it back on press chicken around with the the registration knobs so that's really cool to hear um that's yeah i mean i think we i think we've gotten that process down and you know we we don't break a lot of screens but it's one thing that you know, I've always had the mindset that if our press isn't spinning, our company is not making any money at all. I mean, that people don't pay us to clean screens. They don't pay us to make inks. They don't pay us to do anything but print shirts. Mm -hmm. um, so when we would have our press go down, how do we build a process to get that press going as quick as we can? And I think we've got that, you know, that down to under five minutes now. So if, we, we, wow. if our press goes down with a screen, we can go back to the screen room, make a screen, dry that screen, tape that screen, put it back up on the press and get the job started in under five minutes again. That's and fantastic. really, we would have never been able to do that without the pallet system that Rock developed. And, you know, I think when I really think hard about one thing that gravitated me toward Rock, it was all in the pallet system and how stable and rock solid. And I mean, I've seen guys that are like 300 pounds get up on a rock press and jump up and down and they can't even deflect the pallet. That's and awesome. for me, when I was like, you know, we want to try to print 85 line and 90 line and 120 line. And I'm watching all these other presses. And when the squeegee chops, the whole pallet is just flexing and going crazy. I'm like, from print to print, this this can't be good right mm -hmm. i mean it's you're watching one one head on this side of the press flex down and the other opposite press is going up mm -hmm. and uh you know with the rock eco and all the rock presses for the matter you just don't have that it's awesome it's great 
This was great, guys. Well, we're going to take another quick break and we will be back uh, with Danny and Thomas to talk more eco. See you soon. To honor today's female leaders, Screen Printing Magazine is looking for six accomplished women who through their careers, industry involvement, and philanthropic roles have sparked innovation, spurred business growth, improved their communities, and enhanced the screen printing industry. Nominees must hold a leadership position at a company that produces screen printing as its primary function. Honorees will appear in the Screen Printing Magazine October and November 2020 issue. Please visit screenweb.com slash womenprint no later than August 4th, 2020. Want to welcome everybody back to Rock Shop Talk, your one-stop rock shop where we discuss all things screen printing. Today's episode features the rock eco and the power of automation for screen printers. And we are joined by Danny Gruninger of Denver Print House and Rock US's sales and consulting expert, Mr. Thomas Shaw, along with our creative director, Meryl Caps. So I want to kind of kick this back off uh, talking about the rock eco. And um, Thomas, I'll let you take the floor, man, on. Uh, get into some features here with the uh, operating screen and uh, go from there. Thanks, Ross. Um, so on the break, uh, Danny and I were covering a few things, uh, you know, about the eco that's different. As you can see, um, you know, and for our listeners, listeners here, Danny has a, a large screen behind him, which, you know, that basically the operating system, the operating screen on the eco uh, is probably going to be the largest, uh, largest dimensions in terms of like on our presses. So, um, you know, if you're there and you're operating at your loading and unloading station, you, you have uh, the ease of this massive screen that you're able to take advantage of. Um, you know, so, uh, Danny, would you say that's, that's definitely the largest of the screens that you guys have out of the entire line? Yeah, it, it's super easy to uh, understand. You know, we really like how big the buttons are on the press on, the, you know, specifically the eco control panel. Um, all the operators that jump on that press, they're always, you know, super, super pumped about how the screen is laid out, how all the buttons are positioned. And, you know, I think that's one thing that, uh, you know, another thing that really gravitated us toward Rock was their ability to, you know, if we wanted a custom software or a button moved on our control panel or, you know, for instance, maybe one of our guys had a hard time seeing something on it. Rock has the ability to go back in there and retool and reprogram that um, to kind of give you what you want. And that was something that was always really, really awesome to us was, hey, these guys are going to take our feedback from people that are actually running the presses, Hmm. you know, because this button might be in a hard spot to hit or see, or it doesn't really make sense. And Rock's been able to adapt and change that for us. That's awesome. We actually had a customer, um, sorry, partner. I'm still getting used to changing my own nomenclature from customer to partner. It's, uh, you know, after so many years of being alive, uh, that terminology is kind of ingrained. But we had a partner online um, that actually was colorblind um, to, I believe, red and green. And yep. Rock went in and reprogrammed... Um, his computer system to read out in different colors so he could see everything that's going on. I mean, that's like a perfect example of, of when that's necessary. Um, go yeah. ahead. And then another thing, you know, it's, uh, you know, not only in our shop, but a lot of print shops across the country, you'll go in and you'll see, uh, you know, a pretty diverse uh, work staff. Um, so we've got, you know, a few uh, people on our, on our floor that, you know, primarily they, uh, you know, they're speaking Spanish. So they can get on the control panel and with just one button prep push, they can change the whole control panel into Spanish. That's um, awesome. And that's super, super convenient for, you know, when we onboard somebody, if, um, you know, they might have, you know, better Spanish than English, we can put them on a press, change the control panel, and they have a really good idea of what everything is doing because now they can read it. Um, you know, they're not just pressing buttons and stuff like that. They can, they can actually go in there. They can hit help. They, you know, the control panel will come up and give them a little narrative of what they're pushing. And it's, it's just a really nice feature that rock put together on the display. Yeah. I I feel like each operator kind of has their own quirks too. Like if they've been in other shops, like maybe the press that they were operating in that shop indexes to the left. And your press is indexing to the right, so it's 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 as easy as running into your program channel, 
uh, changing a few different things, and now your press is indexing to the left as opposed to the right. So all those yeah. things are so customizable. And, and like you said, you know, a quick quick trip to the control panel, uh, you change a few features, and you're you're off to the races. Now, can Rock load uh, Netflix app on the <laughs> screen? It is big, so I'm just saying, you know, get your TV watching on while you're printing. Well, uh, people sh people should be watching this on there. And uh, Danny, also uh, over the break, you and I were just kind of talking briefly um, about how, you know, you do have U-presses on the floor. Uh, you do have Next and Ecos. The U-presses operate with a central lifting cylinder, meaning that once you go to print, all of your print heads are down while you're printing. All of them are, are up. And whether they're in the, the lower position or a higher position, you, you can't really necessarily control that. So your screen is is over your palette for a certain amount of time. Now, now on the next and the eco, uh, that that is a little bit different. And, uh, can you just explain to the audience a little bit about how how it's different on those two? Yeah, definitely. You know, from a, from a printing standpoint, with the individual lift cylinders, it's it definitely makes your life easier. Um, you know, for instance, if you've got a high color count job and you don't have room for a cool down after a flash. Uh, and you're say you're printing a, a blocker under base on your first head and you know a lot of people know that blocker is usually pretty thick you can't you can't run a real fast stroke you've got to slow down your squeegee to actually get that that ink through the mesh so what happens if you're running a press that has an individual lift cylinder or a centralized lift cylinder is that first head's printing so low and you're your uh, screen is right after the flash, it's going to stay down on the pallet that whole time. So if you have an individual lifting cylinder set up, you can have your first screen going really slow and it's not affecting a screen that's right after a flash. That screen that's after a flash, you can run a really fast stroke and then it'll pop right back up. Um, so from a printing standpoint, having uh, individual lift cylinders, it definitely makes your life easier. Um, you know, just from the, the standpoint that you can control your, your heat a lot better. Um, and then, you know, you can, you can basically control how each head lifts versus you're, um, you're only as good as your slowest guy with the mm -hmm. centralized lift. Oh yeah. And that kind of goes into like ink type too, right? For, and I know you do a ton of water base and if you didn't have that, you know, temperature control, um, ability, just like you said, that slowest heads slowing everything down and with water base of everything staying hot on the bottom of that screen. I mean, you're essentially curing ink to your screen every time. And I know I used to have those problems cause I didn't have individual lifting heads on my press. And it's kind of funny cause until this conversation, I never really thought about it. Right. <laughs> Of, yep. of what a difference that makes. So that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, awesome. When, when you watch the presses that have a centralized lift cylinder, the screens are sitting down on the pallet a lot longer in general. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when they're sitting down there on the pallet longer, it's just going to build more heat. And, you know, heat, while we like some heat, it's not the best thing for a screen printing ink. Absolutely. One, well, and, and when we talk about attachments too, um, if you're running like, let's say a Stampinator or an iron, you know, something that's intentionally producing heat. Um, if you're running that central lifting system, it's just going to sit down there that much longer and heat up whatever is underneath it, including the pallet. So when it moves on to the next station, you're, you know, double, triple as hot as you were before. So yeah, that's a really you know, good you, point. You bring up a really good point with the Stampinator because, you know, if you have a Stampinator on a press that has a centralized lift cylinder, that's what's controlling you know, the, that the dwell time of the Stampinator will control how fast the press can index where on the eco, we've got a really nice feature on the control panel to where we can go in there. We can tell the press what head the Stampinator's on, and then we can tell it for how long we want it to stamp for. Nice. Um, so we can, we can stamp anywhere from a half a second, just to give a quick little press to, we could put 15 seconds, 20 seconds and fully cure a print on the press with the Stampinator. That's awesome. So it's, it's uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big, big fan of the individual lift cylinders just for the fact that, you know, it makes life a whole lot easier when you're printing a lot of colors and 
you're using attachments and stuff like that. Absolutely. And Thomas, for, for our viewers that don't know, can you just kind of explain what a stampinator is and an iron? Absolutely. Um, so the rock iron is something that we came out with that, uh, you know, helps, helps you get rid of a, a few things that come up on press, whether it's like fibrillation or maybe you're, you want a desired effect. So maybe you want like a, a different type of finish than what you're getting just by, by printing directly on there. So the rock iron functions similar to like a, a squeegee or a flood bar would function inside of your screen and it travels across your screen. Uh, the stampinator is going to function more like a, more like an inline heat stamp. And I say heat stamp because it's a larger area and it's it's basically uh, stamping your garment and then raising itself back up. So it's not traveling like the rock iron. So just depending on your application, I mean, you know, one, one shop might be a perfect application for the iron. Another shop might be a perfect application for the Stampinator. So really, um, you know, the best thing in that case would be to talk to your talk to a sales rep or talk to another shop and ask them what you know what kind of feedback do you guys have on each uh, each item in particular. Awesome. And then the eco ties it all together, and you just press a button after you buy it and say, "Hey, this is here. That's do right. this." That's all right. right. Very cool. And I know we kind of talked earlier about moving these different types of attachments around. Do you guys want to talk about like the amount of command ports that are on the press and what sort of options that gives you? Because we said you know, the eco, well, actually all rock presses, you have the one power drop if you're running three phase, and then it comes with what are called command ports, which are different ports around the base of the press that you can plug in different attachments. And that not only feeds that attachment power, but it also allows that attachment to communicate with the onboard computer system within the press itself. So with the eco, what's kind of standard? What should people think about when they're you know, thinking about their shop, what they're wanting to do, how many command ports should they have, and, and how does that all function? So I'll let you guys roll on that one, whoever wants to take it. I mean, I, th I think from my standpoint, if I was going to invest in another eco, um, which we definitely are going to be moving to soon, um, I would say a minimum of five command ports would be uh, where I would start, you know, because typically if you get a press, you know, a lot of the inks these days, you got to run, uh, you know, especially the PVC free stuff, you've got to run 200 bases under that. Um, so typically right there, you're looking at two flashes, uh, maybe a flash and stamp or a flash and iron. And then if you want to put any other, um, you know, attachments on the press, whether it's foil, flock, hybrid. Um, so I, I would definitely suggest five ports per machine on an eco, um, just, just so you can, you know, take advantage of all the cool tools and things that really, uh, you know, speed up those long run jobs and, um, you know, just make life easier. So I would say minimum five. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I think that's, I think that's pretty dead on. And, um, you know, I had this same conversation with a company located in San Diego, uh, similar to similar to what Danny's doing in terms of like wanting to wanting to put out apparel that's very different in the market. Um, you know, things that are and so offering some of those uh, the added accessories and and um, you know flocking, foiling, iron, all of those different things. Um, just looking at the press behind you, Danny, and and for for our viewers that can't see at home. Um, it, with the individual lifting cylinders, these print heads, they, you know, you can typically on the U series, you would uh, unfasten them and lift the print head up manually. Um, yeah. This company in San Diego, uh, you know, they, they love the fact that we had these command ports. They love the fact that we had accessories. Um, and so they were initially looking at a U press uh, only to realize that, that some of their staff was, um, was a the staff was shorter and unable to reach the the lifting clamps on the arms um and so the eco with the high lift feature like we talked about earlier was like a, a no-brainer for those guys they got the attachments they got all these different things and then they made it easy for their staff to lift a print head up and move a flash or you know whatever whatever it was to put in an accessory like that like it just made their job and their life that much better it was a it was a no-brainer for the customer yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I think Rock's been done a really good job of that. You know, we've, I've worked with, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of people know in the industry, I do a lot of consulting for, you know, small shops, the big shops to pretty ginormous 70 plus auto shops. And uh, I've seen quite a few studies to where it's a pretty, uh, 
proven statistic that women, when they run presses, women are better press operators than guys. Um, so when you go into some of these larger facilities, you'll see a lot of women operating this, these machines. And I think Rock has done a really good job of, you know, building a lightweight pallet, building a pallet that goes on the press really easily, building a high lift feature that you can just hit a button. Um, you know, you're not getting under the press. You're not, you know, like you said, making big, uh, moving big print heads and stuff like that. So I think Rock's done a really good job of catering to where, I mean, like everybody that knows me, I'm like five foot nothing. I'm a tiny guy out there, but these rock presses, you know, I can go handle it like a beast. Yeah. Cause I mean, everything is so nimble and, um, you know, it's, it's almost like the, you know, the analogy of, um, you know, really good carbon fiber, lightweight engineered bike. And that's kind of how I look at rock. You know, with everything we've talked about and the point that you just made, Danny, it's like this press is for everyone. And this press makes that job that much easier instead of being a barrier to success. It actually is helping, you know, push them, you know, to, to be able to get their job done and, and not have the headaches of, you know, the bulk of a lot of these other presses that do have multiple levers underneath the pallets, that the pallets weigh 20, 30 pounds a piece or, you know, whatever it is. So, yeah. and Danny, I mean, with you, with you being in, in larger shops and everything, I mean, I'm sure that you've seen presses out there that have flashes that actually live inside of their print head. Right. Oh, yeah. So like if you go to move a flash and, and not to call out an, a, any other manufacturer, but there are presses out there where flashes live in the print head. And I've been in places where you have to have, you know, two people to move a flash from a print head. Uh, you have to wait for it to cool down. Uh, we're on the rock. You're just basically rolling it over, plugging into the command port that we mentioned earlier, and you're you're again you're back into production. Yeah, and I think you know one thing that I've, I've thought about this that really haven't uh, we haven't touched base on yet that was a really big factor to me um, was just the safety features of the press. So you know it's um, you know with the way the yellow bars work, it's uh, you know they you can you can confidently break a safety beam and know the press isn't going to index or have a mind of its own or do anything, you know, stupid. And, you know, they're for, you know, the rare instance to where you might have somebody that, you know, might not have, they might've missed a safety training meeting or, you know, they might trip and fall into the machine or, you know, who knows what happens, but if they do get in that machine and it indexes, Rock has built a really good safety feature to where it's not going to kill you or cut you in half. Um, to where I've seen some of these other presses, man, you if you get in those presses and they index, like it's not a it's not a good day at all. It actually um, has like sensors on it, right? So if it like bumps into something at a certain rate of speed or there's enough resistance on that pallet, it just like stops. Yeah, it'll just stop. And, you know, I think, you know, from, you know, my days of, you know, owning the company and trying to scale and buy more presses and you start seeing people that really, you know, you're hiring people and throwing them on a press. And, you know, it's a little scary to think that, you know, if somebody doesn't get the quite the proper safety training and they get in that press, it's not going to be a good day for you or your company. And, you know, from an from an owner standpoint, the the safety features that Rock's put into these presses just makes makes you feel a lot better about having people operate those machines. That's awesome. So, so I want to so, kind of wrap this up with just sort of a final thought. Um, you know, there's a lot of options when it comes to capital screen printing equipment. We've all been to trade shows. You know, it, they all at the end of the day are are attempting to to do the same thing. I mean, they all screen print. We do know that. Um, you know, what is a big difference just, you know, in that final thought, we've talked about a ton of stuff, but in the eco more in terms of the future proofing. So you've had your press, right. For five, about five years, six years now. Yeah. And, you know, what has that done for future proofing your shop as we do transition into digital as inks change, which is a big thing that a lot of people aren't thinking about. Like Plastisol, eventually, we've been saying it for years since I got into this industry, probably since you got into this industry too, 
it's going to go away. Plastics are harmful. You know, we're trying to get rid of them. We're moving into a lot of different water-based systems. There's a bunch of different variations out there. And oddly, people don't think your press makes a difference with all that. How do your pallets heat up? You know, does it have individual lifting? Does it not? I mean, all those things that we kind of covered. So I just, that was a really long-winded question, but, you know, what what is the eco specifically doing for your business? And what can you tell our viewers out there when they're looking three, four, five, six years down the road in terms of future proofing with this type of equipment? Yeah. So, I mean, just uh, like I was saying, uh, you know, there's never been a design that's came across my desk or, you know, an idea from a client that we, we couldn't execute on the eco, um, you know, with all the control panel features between switching from water-based sink to where you can pre-flood the screen or go back to plastisol where it doesn't flood the screen. It's all a matter of a push button. Hmm. Um, so, you know, the eco has really been, I guess, a tool for our company that, you know, we've never turned down a job because, uh, cause we didn't have a press that, that wouldn't handle it. Um, you know, like I said, flock foil, hybrid, sim process, special effects, the eco is a press that we can throw anything on and, you know, be really, really comfortable that, uh, we're going to put out a product that, you know, we're super, super proud about. Awesome. And it's not something you're obviously itching to upgrade after five years, which is cool. It's like just adding another one, you know, but that one that you have there, you know, in the picture behind you, it's, it does what it needs to do. It doesn't let, you know, make you turn anything away and, you know, being able to add digital to it now that the digital technology is becoming more readily available in our field is going to allow you to start experimenting with I, some stuff I can't wait to see personally. So excited uh, for you guys to get that going. And it uh, brings me back to, to college, actually, when I was screen printing on paper and doing mixed media. You know, I kind of consider digital is my CMYK paper printing back in the day. And then I'd go in and I'd add paint and I'd add stuff on the top of it, um, you know, which could be like, you know, foil and flock and plastisol and all the cool things you're going to be able to do there. So it'd be really neat to see uh, those mixed media processes really, you know, come together and shine. Um, so I want to kind of end the day. And um, I know Danny has been working on a lot of really cool stuff personally um, in education. He's got some seminars coming up. Um, their business is doing all sorts of new and innovative things. And I wanted to give him an opportunity to tell our viewers what he's going got going on and where they can find him. And um, Danny, take it over, man. Right on. Thank you, Ross. So uh, next week I'll be uh, speaking at the Print Hustlers Conference. That's on Thursday afternoon. Um, so if everybody, I think uh, Printavo kind of put together a, a free online deal for everybody that they can log in and, and see all the different speakers um, Thursday and Friday. So that's something that everybody should check out. Tons of education. So 23rd and, and 24th? Uh, yeah, that's the 23rd and 24th, next Thursday and Friday. And if they don't have info, I think they can email Bruce, uh, info at printavo.com. Um, otherwise, printavo.com, I bet they have sign-up uh, information, everything on their website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've got sign-up information. So next Thursday, I'm doing a presentation on uh, kind of building the ultimate print shop. Um, oh, so sweet. we're really, we're really going to go into a lot of, uh, you know, what made DPH kind of, you know, an industry leader, um, what got us to that point and, you know, how we're managing it right now. Um, cool. Outside of that, I've been uh, working with the internal team here at DPH on creating a video blog series. We're going to be calling that Chasing Inks. And that's going to be a kind of just a fun little, uh, a lot of education in there, a lot of uh, behind the scenes of, you know, how we do things at Denver Print House. I get asked all the time, you know, how do you guys do that flock? How do you guys do that crackle? So, you know, we've, we've gotten to the point to where we feel really comfortable about, you know, our client base. We're not out there stressing about people stealing our clients. Uh, you know, people come to us because they, they know what to expect. And, uh, you know, we've been able to service our clients uh, really well over the years. So we're going to kind of open up the back of the shop and, you know, let people inside and, um, you know, kind of take some jobs from start to finish. 
show awesome. people how those jobs go from, you know, on uh, somebody's idea in their head to a computer, to a direct, a screen, to an ink room. And um, we're going to print some finished shirts and send those shirts out. So people will actually have a video to where they saw that shirt being made. Nice. And then they actually get that shirt and can wear it and study it and, you know, recreate cool. it themselves. So really That's our awesome. big thing is just kind of, you know, helping push the industry forward, you know, helping other shops. We're going to do a lot of field trips to, uh, you know, we, we want to go visit rock. We want to visit some of our, um, you know, partners that we use product from and, uh, you know, kind of just showcase and have a fun little video blog series about the industry. That's awesome. We love to help promote that too, Danny. So sure. make sure you get us some information that we can, uh, cross on social as well as uh, get up on our website so people can find you that way as well. And, and for those of you guys listening that, that don't know Danny, um, he is an unbelievably brilliant mind in our field and uh, opening uh, those doors to show these techniques. I mean, I do know, I mean, I, he shrugs for those of you who can't see him, but um too many times have we had people come in, you know, with foil and it's, you know, what glue, how do I do this? What's the right temperature? And, you know, we've always had to utilize Danny to help, you know, fix those problems. And so for him to open up his doors and, and invite everyone in, uh, any of you listening, definitely participate uh, in, in this uh, event that Danny's putting together because it will be a wealth of knowledge um, that you're not going to find at a trade show. You're not going to find in a lot of the other education series. So thanks for putting that on, man. Um, that's yeah, exciting. And, uh, you know, you can definitely find, find me on Instagram, uh, Instagram.com backslash Denver print house. Um, check us out on there. Um, another, another thing that we're doing, um, right now is, you know, we do a lot of contract printing for other shops all over the country. So if there's anybody out there that wants to, uh, you know, send some work our way, we'll definitely, you know, work with you on how we print that. And, you know, if you get a reorder from it, we'll help, you know, walk you through to, to match that. Awesome. Um, What's the best way for people to get in touch with that kind of work? Is there an email address or website request form? Yeah. So just, just go to denverprinthouse.com and then we have a contact us section on there. So just shoot us an email and, um, you know, whether it's you need help with art sets or you need help with, uh, you know, sustainability. I've got two really, really good partners here at Denver Print House that know a ton of stuff that, you know, is way over my head with different, you know, parts of the business. Um, and we're, we're definitely, uh, you know, in the mindset of we want to help other shops. We know it always comes back and helps us out. Um, so anybody that has any questions, whether it's sustainable you know, manufacturing to um, water-based inks to rock equipment. We're here to help the industry out. That's awesome, Danny. Well, I want to thank uh, Danny and Thomas for joining us today. I hope you all found uh, this episode really helpful on the eco. I actually learned um, some really good stuff myself. Um, so with that, I want to say to everyone, um, press onward. And uh, we'll see you next week. Rock on. I want to give a huge thanks to our special guest, Danny Greninger of Denver Print House and Rock US's own sales and consulting expert, Thomas Shaw, for participating today. As always, thank you for spending time with us this week. Next week, we'll be on hiatus and we'll return at the end of the month for our next episode and begin a bi-weekly release schedule thereafter. Tune in at your convenience or wherever you listen to your podcast by searching Rock Shop Talk. That's R-O-Q, Shop Talk. On our next show, we'll feature the subject of dryers for screen printers, the difference in benefits of tunnels versus flash units. If you'd like to join the live Zoom hangout or even request to be on the show, please visit rock.us forward slash rock shop talk. That's R-O-Q dot U-S forward slash R-O-Q shop talk. If you found today's episode helpful, the greatest accolade we could ask for is for you to recommend it to a friend who you think might find it helpful as well. Please like, share, and subscribe on social media. Until next time, rockers, press onward.